There is something about our Lord. It is the sweetest name that we know. It is the name at the mention of which every situation and every circumstance bows. It is the name at the mention of which miracles happen. It is the name on which we declare our faith and our confession. Holy Spirit, you are welcome into this atmosphere. Come and teach us. May we have wisdom and understanding in your word. May we receive revelation in your word. May we receive direction and rebuke and encouragement in your word. May it shape us and form us. We become more and more like you as we behold ourselves in your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 May the Lord give us more and more opportunities to celebrate and let us be joyful. Every opportunity you have to be joyful, please. Do you understand? Yeah. It is, it is ungodly not to show appreciation for everything God does. When you have breath, when you have life, when you wake up in the morning, you know, when you're even able to sleep. You see, you come to realize that a lot of things that you take for granted are a blessing. So we, we have to learn how to make full use of the life God has given to us and let it count. Amen. We're going to continue with our manner of life. Amen. Amen. Our manner of life. I said everybody has a manner of life. Everybody has a manner of life. You know, yeah. Some people have a fighting spirit. Yeah. Do you know that there are some people that when they appear at a party, a funeral, whatever, there'll be a fight? I don't care how calm the place is. I don't care how enjoyable everybody is feeling. If they appear there, by virtue of their manner of life, there, there has to be a fight. Did, did you just trip me? Did, did you actually step on my foot? I mean, there shall be a fight. There shall be a fight. Yes. Did they give these people drinks? They didn't give me a drink. There shall be a fight. It's just, it's just their manner of yeah, there are also some people that if they appear anywhere, it doesn't matter how miserable people feel, they'll bring joy. You will laugh angry. Stop the nonsense and then you'll be very happy. So take, out, take your foolishness away and then you'll be very happy. Do, do, do you get it? Yeah. In my house, we have all kinds of manner of life. All of them are a blessing. Amen. May we have the God kind of life. Amen. May our way of life and our manner of life be one that others would like to emulate. Have you seen people that you never want to be like them? Do you even have relatives that you know you don't want to be like them? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you have, you have. We all have them. We all have them. If you don't have them, it means you are the one. 
Acts 20. We're going to read Amplify Bible. Will I have your Bible? Because at some point, some of the scriptures, you will read it for me. You know, Paul is our example. We are looking at Paul's manner of life. One day we'll look at Jesus' manner of life. I thought we should start with the easier one. How many of you know that Paul's manner of life is easier than Jesus' manner of life? Because Paul didn't go to the cross. Oh, you don't, you don't get it. Yeah, sometimes we elevate Paul more than Jesus, but he's nowhere near. Do you understand? Yeah, so if we can't handle Paul's own, then no chance. Acts 20, I'm going to read from verse 17. However, from my letters, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church to come to him there. And when they arrived, he said to them, you yourselves are well acquainted with my manner of life among you from the first day that I set foot in the province of Asia and how I continued afterward. You see, I, I highlighted the how I continued afterward because how many of you met somebody who were about to go into a relationship or even went into a relationship and realized their manner of life and realized that it wasn't like it started, it hasn't continued. Oh, you, you don't get what I'm saying. How I continued afterward. Mm. Serving the Lord with all humility in tears. That's why, you see, your manner of life, time must be part of the process. Do you understand? We cannot define your manner of life without time. Do you understand? Yeah, when somebody comes to me and say, oh, oh yes, this is such a blessing to me. Reverend, such a blessing. You see, time has not tested you. <laughs> or oh, you don't get what I'm saying? Ouch. With all humility, in tears, and in the midst of adversity, afflictions and trials which befell me due to the plots of the Jews against me. I just heard Enes say, mm, and I just thought of the fact that I have known Enes since 2003. Well, since when? Now, 2001, 2001, okay, so we are, it's 22 years, he has been scolded, he has been admonished, he has been threatened, he has been sacked, he has been beaten, he has been locked up in the room, he has been shouted out, he has been driven out, he has been stoned. <laughs> hey, Sandra. <laughs> After a while, we can know what his manner of life is. Good or bad, good or bad. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, we are waiting on yours. Because some of you, if Reverend tells you from the pulpit, why have you turned my, this thing off? Why is the sound? Move the sound from, move from there. You move from there and then go out and go and cut the bus. Shame on you, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. Re- Reverend Sam, I feel like I'm preaching already. I, I'm, I'm preaching, am I preaching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, preach, Reverend, preach, Reverend. Today it will be very straightforward. <laughs> Verse 20, how I did not shrink from telling you anything that was for your benefit and teaching you in public meetings and from house to house. 
you should always count it a blessing when you will hear what will be to your benefit, not what you would like. Do, do you understand? Yeah. Because hmm. what will be to your benefit is not always nice. How many of us like taking medication? How many of us like injection? Hey, you like taking medication? Hey. Yeah. So how many of us like taking injection? I, I can even remember a scene, a vivid scene. I was about, my father was still alive, so I must have been about seven or eight. And I remember the slope that leads to the dentist building, the gate. That there's a slope. Do you understand? And obviously, the car goes up the slope and parks. And I can remember myself running down the slope back to the main road. <laughs> in fear of the injection and the sound. You know the sound in the dentist? You know? It's not just the injection that makes it numb. It's the... And it was in my head. And I ran down. And I remember the dentist, she was running... She came to open the door for all of us, and then she saw that there was one shot. <laughs> and she spotted her going down, and she ran and came, and then she gave me a sweet. And due to my lack of wisdom, <laughs> I thought today was going to be a good day. <laughs> so I took the sweet, and I, and I followed her. <laughs> so, yeah, but she doesn't practice again, yeah. And then she, she took me right into the, the den. And she told me that I should relax and eat the sweet. While she dealt with uh, the older ones. And finally I realized that there was no way out. <laughs> How I did not shrink from telling you anything that was for your benefit. 21, but constantly and earnestly I bore testimony, both to Jews and Greeks, urging them to turn in repentance. That is due to God and to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is due to him. And now you see I am going to Jerusalem bound by the Holy Spirit and obligated and compelled by the convictions of my own spirit, not knowing what will befall me there. Today I want to read the whole passage and then I'll try and list the manner of life bits that we can pull out and then we'll see how many we can go through. So at least you have it, isn't it? It will be good for you. Except that the Holy Spirit clearly and emphatically affirms to me in city after city that imprisonment and suffering await me. This part of his manner of life, honestly... It's not commodious. You, it's not like they say, maybe you might go to prison. Assurance. <laughs> Emphatically. Affirmation. <laughs> but none of these things move me. <sighs> Neither do I esteem my life dear to myself. If only I may finish my course with joy. The joy is not in breakthrough, it's not in prosperity, it's not in success. But this from city to city imprisonment, I want to finish it with joy. Do you understand it? <laughs> Tell somebody we are joking, we are joking. Even when it's raining, we can't come to church. 
when it's drizzling, we can't come to church. When the weather is cold, you know, when... <laughs> and the ministry which I have obtained from, which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus, faithfully to attest to the good news, gospel of God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, mercy. And now, observe I. And now, observe, I perceive that all of you, among whom I have gone in and out, proclaiming the kingdom, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify and protest to you on this, our parting day, that I am clean and innocent and not responsible for the blood of any of you. Everything I had to do for you, I've done. I've told you the word from back to front, front to back. I, I, I owe nothing. For I never shrank or kept back or fell short from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God. I pray that in this generation and this dispensation, we will not hold back from declaring the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God for the world we are in today. Because they are trying to streamline which part of gospel is good, which one can be declared and which one cannot be declared. Take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you, bishops and guardians, to shepherd, tend, and feed, and guide the church of the Lord, or of God, which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for himself with his own blood. I know that after I am gone, ferocious wolves will get in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men will come to the front who by saying perverse, distorted, and corrupt things will endeavor to draw away the disciples after them to their own party. These scriptures are so scary because you would think that, you know, a lot of the backsliding or people going into all kinds of error and doctrines will be from without the church. But what he's saying that it's not just from out, from within. People from within will come to the front end. And I think that that is even scarier because when you feel like somebody has a level of spiritual maturity, they are more, it's easier for them to deceive you. It's easier for them to draw you away. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because of the, the, either the office they hold or their presence or their supposed impact they've had on you at the time. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. In the Old Testament, the old prophet gave a prophecy that was not good. Then he gave another one which was right. But then it was the same person. One was not from God. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying? Hmm. Verse 31. Therefore, be always alert and on your guard. Be mindful that for three years I never stopped night or day seriously to admonish and advise and exhort you one by one with tears. Hey, now if you share the gospel and don't mind, you don't care. Oh. Hey, it's your life. Oh. Hell is optional. I've chosen it. It's amazing. How many times do we cry because of salvation? Now, if we are crying, it's because of our personal miracles and our personal breakthroughs, isn't it? That we are, he says that with tears, admonishing you. Hmm. And now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in his church, entrusting you to his protection and care. So these are things that, this was how Paul lived. 
And I commend you to the word of his great, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those who are consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. I coveted no man's silver or gold or costly garments. You yourselves know personally that these hands ministered to my own needs and those of the persons who were with me. So he wasn't even lazy. In everything I have pointed out to you by example, that by working diligently in this matter, in this manner, we ought to assist the weak. Be mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed, makes one happier and more to be envied to give than to receive. Amen. Do you know whether you like it or not, your life is an example. Yes, yes, yes. Whether you like it or not, whether it's within your family, whether it's within your workplace, your school, your environment, your community, you are an example. We are all an example of good things and of bad things. Having spoken thus, he knelt down with them all and prayed. Verse 37, and they all wept freely and threw their arms around Paul's neck and kissed him fervently and repeatedly. Amen. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Tell somebody my manner of life. Yeah. Now ask the person, is your manner of life erratic? (laughs) Or is it stable? (laughs) Which version do we have tonight? (laughs) And you work with people that you don't know which one came to work. Which version of themselves came to work? Sometimes they'll walk in and they're like, hello, 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 how are you? And you're like, oh, okay, today's a good one. And then the same person can come to the office and you know that you can say hello and they just blank you out and you know that, okay, another version came. Yeah, yeah. Ashes, do you see it? Um, do you also experience that? Sometimes a good version of the person comes in and then you say, oh, sit in there like, oh, thank you. Oh, brother, just thank you. And then the same person, another day, you're like, sit here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Last week we said that your manner of life is present continuous and not subject to location or environment, isn't it? And then what else did we say? Your manner of life involves serving the Lord, isn't it? It should be your custom, it should be your habit, it should be your belief. You understand? That's your manner of life. Your manner of life is your habit, your customs, your beliefs. Do, do, do you get it? Yeah. That is what forms and shapes how you live. So if you believe in serving the Lord, that is what you will do. If you don't believe it, you will not do it. Ephesians 4, NLT, we're going to read from 12 to 16. It says that their responsibility, so after I gave some apostles, prophets, it says that their responsibility from verse 12 is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen. That means that every Christian, your man of life must be working for God, serving God, because all of it is needed to have the complete picture. Do do you understand? Yeah. There is nobody who gets saved and does not need to serve God. Because the reason why you have pastors and prophets and evangelists is that they will have to perfect you, equip you, so that you can do the work and build God's kingdom. Or we don't get it. The next one we looked at was the spirit of humility, isn't it? Humility, humility, humility. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Do you understand? When you're humble, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're belittled or, no. It means that you are thinking correctly. You don't think of yourself as less, but you think of yourself less. So every time, it's not only you that's on your mind. (laughs) It's It's not always about you. Every situation must not be centered around you. Do you understand? Yeah. You know, there are some people that even if you are celebrating somebody's wedding, they'll find something to say about themselves. (laughs) They can go to somebody's graduation. (laughs) Yeah, that is somebody who is full of themselves. Do you understand? Yeah. If you are full of yourself, it's the opposite of being humble. Do you understand? If you are humble, it seems you are emptied of yourself. Do you understand? So self is not at the forefront. And that is a very... It's, do you know it is easier to say be humble than to be humble? Do you understand? Yes. Because naturally, it's not easy to be humble. That's why we are learning it. Because it's not a natural thing. Do you, do you understand? Yes, yesterday, I met some. I got a foolish text. And I was about to react to it, and then humility had to set him. <laughs> and I said, it was okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But that is not the natural. The natural self had a response. The first response is always the natural self. Yeah, so my manner of life now is that I'm using the word, do you understand, to help control me. That's the manner of life. That will bring humility into place. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because a time ago, I would have dealt it in the way and then sorted out the consequences later. (laughs) 
Yeah, because do you know the natural self even likes the fact that I did it. If I have to go and apologize, I've done it anyway. You insult the person if you say sorry. You even take family and friends. Um, Reverend William, can you go with me to go and apologize? <laughs> you know. Yes, and then when, when we go, I've been told that when I get there, I should say I'm profusely sorry. So I'm like, I'm. <laughs> I am, I am, I am profuse. And if you are not careful, even the profusely sorry, you say, I am really, really sorry that I insulted you, that you are a very foolish person. <laughs> Tell somebody, think of yourself less. You can't serve God for a long time if you don't think of yourself less. That's why he himself gave us a good example of it. Philippians 2, let's read it. Verse 1 to 8, he says that, Is there, the NLT, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. You see that this thing cannot function if humility is not there. This working together wholeheartedly, loving one another with one mind. Verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Somebody say, mercy, Lord. This is our example. This is our example. And it is not easy. But once you have that mind that... We want to emulate him. Then he's saying that we have to wholeheartedly be in agreement with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and prayer. Having to realize that even in families, it's not easy to maintain that first. Even in a home of one blood, it's not easy to have brother, sister, mother, father, Grandmother, together, wholeheartedly, it's not, it's not easy. How much more in the house of God, where we all come with our different customs, beliefs, and traditions, and unless grace abounds. One of the things I learned about grace is that grace encompasses everything. So for us to even be able to walk in humility, grace must abound. For you to be anointed, grace must abound. Do you understand? For us to walk in the resurrection power, grace must abound. For us to walk in forgiveness, grace must abound. For us to have that spirit of humility, grace must abound. The next one we said was what? Suffering associated with serving the Lord, isn't it? Sufferings. Sufferings. 
And then I realized that I know I've read this passage of scripture before, but I feel like some of us, maybe we have forgotten about it. So let's read 2 Corinthians 11. We're going to read 23 to 29 so that we'll see whether our sufferings are comparable. Amen. Isn't it? Sometimes you can go to prison and then you get there and you realize that somebody is there for 15 years with hard labor and you are in prison for six months. Yeah. Second Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. The Bible says that, are they servants of Christ? Hmm. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Verse 24. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Why did they give 39? Yeah, yeah, but why don't they kill him? That's my point. Ah. Hmm. Verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. You when people just are funny to you in church a bit, then you just give up. And they say they didn't, then you just. He had 39 lashes. He was beaten with rod three times. Once he was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. <laughs> Not that he was going to see his beloved. If if they awaited him, a beautiful woman, then you say it was a mission. He was being shipwrecked for the gospel. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. That one won't work for me. I like land. (laughs) No, no, no. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. All are ours. <laughs> I have faced dangers, many rivers to cross. <laughs> I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. So where do you go and hide? If you go inside the Jews, they are waiting for you. If you go try and go into the Gentiles, they are waiting. He said, I have faced danger in the cities. I have faced danger in the deserts. I have faced danger on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. <laughs> None of us can ever say we will not serve God again. We have no excuse and no reason. Hmm. Hey, Paul. I wonder what palanquin they gave him in heaven. You have to put him on some... Because <laughs> even Peter and Co. can't say these things. Verse 27. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Do you know if this place is not even warm, people won't come to church. If they come to church one day, and maybe the heater had broken or whatever, and they had to put their coats on, don't come to church. Yeah, is the heater still working? Has it been fixed? Hey. 
I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. Does this thing make us feel a bit guilty that, honestly? <laughs> so when you hear yourself saying, I am tired of serving God, I'm fed up of doing this God thing, I, I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Can you imagine shivering, hungry, thirsty, and wondering whether the church is okay, whether the people of God are fine? Most of us will be like, you see, I was hungry. Nobody came to look for me. I've been, I've been, my, I, I, nobody's even helped me with my, they, nobody has come to see how much I'm struggling. You don't know, they look at all the challenges I'm going. Then they're telling me that I should go and uh, follow up on somebody or check out. Me too, I want to follow up somebody should come and check up on me. Who needed more follow up than Paul? Who needed more check up than Paul? Who, who? I mean, this one person, he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's homeless, he's shivering, he's cold, he's been beaten, he's been, uh, what do you call it? He's been beaten with rod, with whips, he's been, uh, what was one of the ones that they did only once? But why did they stone him once? Because that. <laughs> <laughs> The next one I don't think I gave you was integrity. Did I give integrity? Integrity. 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 Is Audrey okay? Audrey, you can come and preach with me. Verse 20 and 21, he says, I did not shrink. And then verse 21, he says that, but constantly and earnestly I bore the same. He, was, he wasn't somebody who you could say that you are not sure of. You know, there's something about integrity that every Christian must cultivate. I don't think we are born with integrity. Do you get what I'm saying? We are not born with integrity. I believe that integrity is where your yea is yea and your nay is nay. Do you you understand what I'm saying? And Psalm 25, verse 21, the NLT says that, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for and expect you. That means if you have integrity, whatever you are doing and even your very life will be preserved. One of the verses I like on integrity, Bila, can you open it? Proverbs 11.3. You have a microphone? You do? Okay. Proverbs 11.3. Read from the Amplify. It is very difficult in our generation to find people with integrity. When you read the book of Job, you realize that it was one of the things that were always highlighted about Job. Yeah. Proverbs 11.3. Proverbs 11 verse 3. The integrity and moral courage of the upright will guide them. Mm. But but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. Read the first part again. The integrity and moral courage, courage of the upright will guide, guide them. them. Do you understand? So if you are dodgy, it will guide you. <laughs> if you are straight, it will guide you. 
but it is a choice that you make. And do you know that whichever one becomes your way of life, it becomes your default. It is just what you do. Do you understand? Even if there's a straight way to do things, you still offer the crooked. Oh, you don't get it? Yeah. I was going to give an example, but I'm today I won't give that example. We will not get yeah. When you say somebody has integrity, it means the person is honest. You know, it means that that person is, you can trust their word. You can trust, I mean, now even when somebody says, I'll marry you and you're at the altar, you're still not certain. Hmm. 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 Proverbs 20 verse 7. You bind it in Jesus' name. You have to bind it. Oh, you have to bind it. I have to totally. Proverbs 20, verse 7. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with his godly beliefs. How blessed, happy, and spiritually secure mm. are his children after him who have his example to follow. To follow. So your integrity is not just for you, but it's for your children and your children's children. Because you are their example. That, haven't you seen that arm robbers, their children become arm robbers? Mafia people, their children become mafia. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if your lifestyle is a criminal and your children will become, you know, many years ago, I don't think now, because they have this universal credit and things have been streamlined, many years ago, the whole, uh, what do you call it, system, what do you call it, the, the welfare system, person was very complicated, but there were people who had schooled themselves in it. <laughs> they were very skilled in the art of manipulating the welfare system. They said the person had 32 council flats. You see, the <laughs> and then why you want to you just say Max? <laughs> but you realize that what you don't realize is that you are being an example to your children. Yeah, that's why sometimes we say it's generational, a generational care. So, but sometimes it's just the example that is being set. Do you understand? Yeah, it, laziness. They, they grew up never seeing their parents work. So they know that the thing is that when you're 16, go and find the nearest council, whatever, and go and sign up and start collecting. Do, do, do you get it? Yes. And 16, yeah. Yeah. It's an example, and then it perpetuates. That is why we must all be very careful of our lifestyle. You understand? You might say, oh, I'm just lying in front of my child. But you are teach- it's an example for them that when the situation is tight, just lie. Thank you. Thank you, Audrey. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Audrey is agreeing with me. Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. The next one is witnessing. Today I want us to go through a few. We are about to close. Witnessing. It was something that Paul, 
did not shy away from. They said he did it constantly and earnestly. In the verse 21, constantly and earnestly. He was always witnessing. Acts 26, the Bible says in verse 20, King James, but showed, showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Second Timothy 4, I'm going to read 2 to 6, the message Bible say that. So proclaim the message with intensity, keeping your watch, challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. So your witnessing must be with intensity. You must warn, you must edge, and it's not something you stop or you give up. Just keep it simple. It says that you are going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will be filled up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They will turn their backs on truths and chase mirages. But you keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. I like the first few words of the next verse. It says, you take over. Give us the verses. <laughs> you take over. You take over. Tell somebody by you that you take over. Yeah. You are going to find that. Haven't you realized that every time it comes to this work of God that God has called us into, there's always some sufferings inside. There's always says that you're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach after then he says that they will turn their back on it, but you keep your eye on doing water. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. If we stop witnessing, the message will not be alive. Do you know that this, all through the Easter season, for some reason, I've just been reading and listening on, you know, all these um, great men of faith, you know, God's generals. And if you look at the way they kept the message alive. Everywhere. I was just, I can't remember which one of them. They were having a, a revival. And then the part of the building caught fire. And they brought the, uh, what do you call it? They, they called for the fire service. The fire service, do you know? The fire service people arrived. I think it was Azusa. One, one of the Azusa meetings. The fire service people arrived. And the fire they took their thing, and then the guy was like, oh, the fire is here. Lifted his up, and then he just broke out in tongues. The fireman, who had come with his water to come in. By the time all the firemen came, they were all worshiping. There was no fire on the ceiling there. Because they kept the message alive. Kept the message alive. But now, yeah, this weekend that we had small, how many hours? Few hours of prayer. Reverend Sam, the number of persons who have called us, how did we have such a long day of prayer? I said, it's, not, it's such a shame. It's such, we didn't even do 12 hours. It's such a shame. That four or five hours of prayer is a long time of prayer. These people stayed, that Azusa thing, but that day was not the beginning. They had been doing it continuously for months. And the Holy Spirit appeared. 
on the roof there. We want to see the works of the old, but we don't want to do what they did. It is sad. But you mean Saturday, you spend the whole day in church. Ooh. Yeah, that was part of the question. Yes. Ask my pastors. Ask my bishops and pastors. What a shame. One of these days, we are going to have a meeting from Friday. We'll finish on Sunday. Keep the message alive. Take over. That should be our manner of life. Do you know something? Let me tell you a little secret. There is nothing like, oh, we spend a lot of time in church. Everybody spends a lot of time somewhere. Whether it's a pub, whether it's a football place, whether it's gym, whatever. Everybody spends a lot of time somewhere. 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 Other than our working hours, the rest of the time, everybody uses. Everybody uses. Where they use it, that's different. Some of the places they use it is widely accepted. That is Friday night. You have to stay in the pub. Yeah, till Saturday morning. Yeah, it's Saturday. You can go and watch football. Yes, and the football, as Reverend said, pre-intra post. Yes, pre-football drinking, watching football, post-football. Should they win? Post-football celebration. Should they lose post-football misery? But all of it is celebration. What has happened to us now? They are winning. They are winning. Are they winning? You observe. <laughs> Tell somebody that I'm a witness. <laughs> Listen. Every opportunity you get, you must share the gospel. Every opportunity you get. CICC, every opportunity you get. Let us not become selfish with the gospel. And you share it with your testimony. You share it with the word of God. You share it with your love. There are so many ways to share the be a witness and to share the gospel. Let us not be deceived by the world trying to trick us. This is why we have been saved. Paul said he did it constantly and earnestly. And he did it in hard times. I think that is the thing. Because, you know, sometimes you feel like fire. Sometimes you feel like, you know, like you really want to. That's not the only time you serve God. You serve God so long as you have breath. You witness so long as you have. If you woke up, you up this morning and you meet somebody, you can tell them about Christ. Let me give the last one, then we'll go. Commitment. I was going to give, you know, there's something about commitment, and I decided that I'll put all of them together. One day we'll look at them because they all have their place, commitment, conviction, loyalty, faithfulness. And they all carry different things. They all carry different things. 
A lot of the time, when people think of loyalty, they assume that it's faithfulness. But faithfulness is when you remain loyal. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Commitment, conviction, faithfulness, loyal. Loyalty is giving or showing firm and constant support. Loyalty is when you are firm and unchanging. Conviction is having a firm belief. Conviction is having a firm belief. You know, I was reading these scriptures in Matthew that talks about, and there he could do, do he could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief, because and it just dawned on me that a lot of things that we are binding and losing and we are praying over, if only we can direct our unbelief to those things, we'll be okay. Because even Jesus, when we had unbelief, miracles couldn't happen. Which means that if Satan, when they come, they say, you know, there are demons in your household or this thing is going to happen to you. If you have unbelief in that area, it won't happen. But the fact is that we believe. We believe. So what you don't want to see generate unbelief in that. Your faith must not be there. Do you understand? Yes. If you want something to some whatever attacks, depression, don't believe. Because anything you don't believe, you can't receive. So it means that within us, there is a level of unbelief we must generate in certain things. And rather we must build our conviction. What can separate us from the love of God? Life, death, persecution. Nothing. That's somebody with conviction. John the Baptist is a good example of somebody with conviction. Even when he knew that he would die, he said, still, still, still. You have to repent. Wrong is wrong. And they killed him. And he still said wrong is wrong. That is conviction. A lot of us, our conviction is... Yeah, it's circumstantial. It depends on the circumstances, the situation. If the situation might cause us problems. I'm not really a Christian, sort of. (laughs) Conviction that I am called. Conviction. That I need to serve God. Conviction. You see, conviction will make you unmovable. Conviction will make you unmovable. The reason why somebody can come and whisper, then you leave the church. Come and whisper, then you backslide. You don't have conviction. That's why you can be tossed to and fro. You see, when you have conviction that this girl will marry me, you can't be tossed to her. Even when she says no, it doesn't mean anything. You have unbelief in her no. You have unbelief in her no. This head, no, you don't believe it. Kai, kai, kai. <laughs> Until you see her on the altar. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I was listening to this woman of God. She said a story that I thought was very sad. I, I, I don't even know how she came by that uh, decision. She said that she was in a very nice relationship. Really, really nice relationship. And, you know, everything was going well. And she said one day she was reading her Bible. And she, <laughs> she came across that scripture, you know, as she was reading about someone going to look for when uh, the Lord sent him to go and anoint David and went, and then they brought, you know, the sons. And uh, someone was like, no, the Lord has not chosen this one. She said immediately, don't know that this guy, the Lord has not chosen. <laughs> 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 I said, huh? And that time, I think the person had traveled abroad, so she called him and said, um, <clears throat> the Lord has not chosen you. <laughs> yeah. Commitment is to bind yourself to a cause, to a faith, to a mission. Commitment to bind yourself so intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Being committed is a way of life. Being faithful is a way of life. Being loyal is a way of life. Having conviction is a way of life. That is why you have to be careful because if you have conviction in the wrong thing, then you are stuck in a bad thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Those are people who have total conviction that, you know, global warming, climate change, the world will end in 10 years. We have postponed the 10 years more, but we are are almost... (laughs) Do, 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 Do you get what I'm saying? Mercy. Yeah. It's also a religion. First Corinthians 4 2. We're going to finish with that. Let me give you a few more. So, if we get them, we'll have a look at them. Compassion, spirit filled, truthful. Does not have prejudice. Responsible, not lazy. One thing we cannot say about Paul is that he was lazy. Gives to the needy, a shepherd, an intercessor. Fearlessness. How many of you realized that as he was going through the lashes and the stoning and the shipwreck, you have to be fearless to be stuck overnight, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what it is like to be on the sea in the dark? You travel by that thing to France or one of those places and you see. First Corinthians 4.2, what does it say? It's required amongst us that a man, what is it? The requirements, give us um, New King James or one of those. The requirements for a good guide are reliability. Yeah. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Amen. Every servant of God, one thing that must be found in you is faithfulness. Rise up onto your feet. Hallelujah.